Hey everybody, welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I am your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I am joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and take a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high-praised classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty okay. Pretty? The weather outside is... Weather. Pretty topical, almost to our movie of the week not okay almost is a little strong it's topical in the sense that it's bad weather yes and we're talking about a movie about one of my favorite sorts of movies bad weather bad weather movies yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but not one of those crappy bad weather movies like everest or the perfect storm where it's like we're basing the ending on it's a true story but we're basing the ending on a story where the people died so we don't actually know how it ended i hate those movies oh is that really like a bad weather movie in those cases? It's called The Perfect Storm. Well, oh, yeah, I fear that one. But I meant like Everest, I think. I think, think there's good weather on Everest? I, <laughs> I, I guess not. Uh, somebody has to have good weather on Everest or else we can get all those photos. I, I, I mean, I guess, but it's still, it's not good. Are you going to go climb Everest? Hell no. Me either. I don't like the snow. You don't like outside. I like outside. I hey. Sorry, you don't like outside when it's cold or too windy. Yeah, so that's most of outside. That's most of Everest. <laughs> so anyway, but this is one of those movies where it's like entirely fictional and fun, and it's not just like. And then we think this might have happened, but we might not have known. So, oh well, we tried. Well, since it sounds like you're raring to go, we I might am. as well. I am. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, we might as well just get right into it. This week, we will be talking about Twister, which originally hit theaters back in 1996. There is a mystery. Elusive. Unpredictable. Violent. It terrifies most scientists. But for a new breed, the challenge is saving lives. The research is deadly. The laboratory is nature itself. Before you get into your spiel, I need to apologize because I always put the trailer here and in this specific, I don't know what it is about this movie Twister, but every trailer of this movie is voiceover of somebody going like, weather is bad, scientists are studying it, and then it's two minutes of destruction noises and no (laughs) plot. So it's really hard. Should we just watch the trailer together and like when there's people on the like screen that where they're like running from the twister or something like that, we'll be like, oh no, the twister's coming. Oh, no, it's the twister. You better run, Helen Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it might be better than what we have because literally like it's scenes from the movie. I watched one trailer that's the opening scene and one scene that's the drive-through movie scene. Oh. So it's just literally those scenes. So it's like, Hey, weather's bad. Did you know that weather can be bad? And then it's cuts to like destruction and people being like, Joe, get out of here. The storm's coming. Joe, hurry, get down. That's it. There's no plot whatsoever in these oh, trailers. Oh, look over there. Is that a funnel cloud? Oh, we better get in the storm cellar. Yeah, we could just, we could we could do, just it. do it over. It. Yeah. I feel like that's too much effort. Can we do that? In a world. In a world where the wind Where it's bad. this world because we have twisters. It's wind world. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We've made the seagull the twister. It's wind world. Oh, there's an update on that for the end of the episode. Oh, well then. Well, why don't we get <laughs> into- Stay tuned. Let's go back to 1996, shall we? Well, like Dorothy through the winds, let's rewind. <laughs> so, May- 1996. May 3rd. Surprise hit. The craft is released. Oh, God. (laughs) 
It's always, Burnt it always comes back popcorn, to the crap. Popcorn, Hall of Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So this is the first movie we've done where it's the same month as a movie we've already done. So I had to find different trivia than the trivia we did for the last one, obviously. But it was still like one of those things where it was like, oh, should we really do a movie in a month we've already done? And I was like, screw it. I really want to watch Twister. <laughs> and I'm so glad we did. <laughs> so May 6th, the body of former CIA director William Colby is found washed up on a riverbank in Southern Maryland eight days after he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is you're like, I'm going to find any new news that I can find. And of course, it's all terrible news. And oh. you're, but you're laughing through like the body of this dude who washes up on a beach. CIA director. Yeah. No, that's very important. It's very, <laughs> very notable. May 9th. Getty Lee of Rush. Yes. Is made an officer of the Order of Canada. Oh, there you go. That's nice. Oh, he's a real Tom Sawyer. Yeah. Mean, mean guy. I don't know the words. <laughs> I, I know that part, obviously. And uh, as dun, 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 dun. that's terrible. That's a part I know. Yeah, it's not very well done. Uh, yours, not theirs. But to rehash one of the things we did discuss on the craft, May 22nd, 23rd Daytime Emmy Award presentation, and Susan Lucci lost for the 16th time. Because we can't um, hit a Daytime Emmy Awards and not talk about Susan Lucci. That's fair. That's fair. Like, we already did. But we are, we're, we'll bring it up again. It's important <sighs> to this show anyway. Sorry, I laughed through that poor guy's murder. But I mean, come on. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Not his murder, but like just his corpse washing up on. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> what about. What about uh... Yes. So <laughs> this movie took the top spot from previous Burt Popcorn Fair, The Craft. <laughs> It took in $41 million, which beat Lethal Weapon 3's previous record for a May opening. But two weeks later, that record was beaten again when Mission Impossible took in $45.4 million. And as we discussed before, Independence Day was the number one film of the year with $306 million. Then Twister at $241 million and Mission Impossible at $180.98. So almost $181 million. So, I mean, it did pretty well. Sounds like. Yeah. Too bad we watched Independence Day recently because then we could have just watched, like, just kept this 90. 96 is a good year for movies. It really is. Like, we had The Rock, which we watched actually a while ago. That was one of the early movies we watched when we started watching, like, hit movies from back in the day. Yeah. Nutty Professor was pretty fun. Uh, 101 Dalmatians, First Wives Club. It was a good year for movies. Shockingly, I've seen the First Wives Club. I do not remember it in the slightest, but I've seen that movie. It's a good movie. It's honestly, like, even when I, I watched it probably in the late 90s, and I still thought it was really entertaining, and I was, like, 12. Also, another big hit from this year, Space Jam. Oh, everybody get up. It's time to slam jam. Yeah. See, I know more of the words to that song. Though. Oh, and Jerry Maguire, too. It, it, this move, this year, if we ever, like, run out of ideas, let's just go back to 96. Like, there's, yeah, there's we'll just scrape plethora. the bottom, scrape the barrel of 1996 until it's, until it's dry. Yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> well, fantastic. What were your memories of this film back in the day? 96. I honestly can't remember if this was one of my parents. So I feel like we saw this at the movie theaters. Like, I feel like that is a thing that happened. And I feel like, cause one of the things that happened when this movie came out and it, it spawned like an urban legend is that because there's a scene in the movie where Twister goes through a you keep saying drive through but it's drive in oh movie yeah sorry my mistake and the the urban legend is about a movie theater we've been to many times yeah, it's, but it's actually it's one that's maybe another by. hour down the road mm -hmm. and the the urban legend is like it ran through the the screening of Twister and like the whole thing but no what happened is it went through uh, a drive in movie theater in Thorold Ontario. That was not open at the time, no. uh, but it had. It was scheduled. Twister was scheduled to play, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't realize is like Ontario gets tornadoes, not frequently, but like I don't even think it was that long after this movie came out is that there was actually a very small what they call a microburst about. See, and I can't even say like a block from my house because I grew up in the middle of nowhere, so like a block from your house might be like. 30 acres or whatever. No. Um, 
No, it, it was probably like a kilometer away from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took someone's shed and flew it across the road. So it was like mini Dorothy uh, rather than the house. It was just a shed and it scattered it across the highway. I can, next time we drive out to my parents when life is normal, it's right on highway six. I can point out exactly where it was. We'll see if you remember that. I know exactly where it was. It's right by the place where there's a sign up for not, about someone's photography. I'm not saying that you remember where it happened. I'm, I'm saying that if you remember to point it out the next time we go. Oh, home, I won't. Yeah. Absolutely. You're right. You raise a very good point. But no, and I, I feel like this is a movie my parents would have taken me to see because they love this kind of, I, like, I grew up watching these sorts of movies all the time, but we might have also re- rented this from the old Video 99 in town. Mm-hmm. Was Video 99 a thing outside of like Haldeman County? It, no, it was, there are Video 99s elsewhere. I've seen them before. Okay. Because like, I always wondered that because we had one in Cuga, Hagersville, and Caledonia. Yeah, I feel like I've seen them before somewhere else too. Fun fact, people who are not from Cuga call it Cayuga. People who are spelled. call it Cuga. Yeah. It's like, it's like people from, from Melbourne calling it Melbourne. But if you're from like the US, you say Melbourne. I saw that meme today. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. where I got that from. <laughs> There's quite a few things like Trana. 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 Hammer. Yep. But no, like I, I do know... I remember watching this movie and I've seen it many times and I'm pretty sure my parents own it on VHS to this day, even though I don't think they don't have a VHS player anymore and loving it again. This was, this is probably one of, cause like 96, I would have been 11 when this movie came out and this is really getting, cause then like there was such like a big deluge of these disaster movies starting in the middle of the nineties. Cause we had this and like independence day and then they just kind of like ramped up with like more and more of these disaster type movies. And now we're up to the point where every disaster movie is the end 2012, the world. the world is ending, let's destroy all the monuments. But this was like predating that kind of disaster. And then Independence Day started like a month later. And then here we are with all the movies are like that. But like we we watched all these sorts of disaster. And you know, our first like outing together that wasn't really a date was to a disaster movie i love disaster movies i just don't love them the same anymore as a parent it kind of ruined them for me which is a shame because i was really looking forward to seeing greenland as like a dumb no, movie to I don't watch wanna, i don't want to watch that now what about movies that are on our list of movies to watch that are disaster movies like this Mm, they might be better. I remember feeling kind of sad watching like Independence Day. So I don't know. Because <gasps> there are like, movies on the list. Being a mom changes you. Like people, I was like, I'm not going to change. And I was like, no, it's super does. It took me a long time before I could really watch horror movies and enjoy them again. That I'm back into though. So thank God for that. So then the, the answer here is we just need to watch a bunch of things blowing up movies and raise the stakes Slightly every single time. So if we've got tornadoes down, what's the next biggest thing? Earthquake? Something along those lines? Volcano? Hurricane. Something? Okay. Well, we'll move into hurricane territory and that'll move you but slightly But Crawl towards... was a really good hurricane movie. That was, but that was more of an animal attack movie. But it was in a hurricane. It was, like, that was the hurricane, also, the hurricane yes. was like the secondary villain. It's true. The alligators were the, the, anti- were the primary. Were the or alligators? Well, it's Florida, right? It was they alligators. have both. Oh. I guess that that's something that we should have figured out, but because who knew we were going to talk about crawl from 2019 on this episode? You guys should watch crawl. It's fantastic. Crawl really is a good it. crawl is a good time. But it's, no, I I definitely remember watching this movie and loving it. Anyway, back on topic. Yes, and yourself, sir. This is another case like backdraft. The the, the ant, the the not oh, quite ant strikes yeah. again. Where we watched this at with her, and I remember liking it as a kid. More of my memories from Twister seem to come from the show. Do you remember the sh- like? Not the t- I, I, you're looking at me almost like what? But I mean like the Universal Studios tour thing. Oh yeah, where you would go and and you would stand there and they'd be like, I don't even remember how it started, like what the context of it was, but it was the drive drive in scene where you were you were at the drive in and <laughs> i'm thinking about it real hard now where the uh you know the movie theater gets blown up and, and all of the things go flying away and i do remember that the cow they they incorporated mm, the cow yep. into the scene even though the cow is in a different scene in the movie yeah and, but it's, it's something that stands out yeah right? so. but i remember that being something that's really cool and i wish that was still there but it's i think it's like a shrek 3d 
theater or something like mm. that. Oh no, sorry, it's Shrek 4D, where like it's like the Muppet thing, where like you sit in the chair and it's like there's mice underneath your feet. Oh, it, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, it's okay. one of those things now. And at least I think it, it it was the last time I saw. I was mm-hmm. there. It's not Twister anymore, and it hasn't been for a long time. But I do remember that when we were leaving the theater for because it's it, you stand there. Like you, you stand there and there's like a railing that you hold on to because obviously it's not windy enough that you're going to fly away, but it's just, you know, there's big fans hiding way off in the background shooting wind at you. But I remember that once it was over, they shuffle you back out the doors the way you came in. And I remember I was near the back of the line and I looked back at the scene that had happened, all of all the destruction, and it's all resetting behind me. Like like all of the pieces are going back to where they originally went. Like oh. a, like like there's like a a hangar. It's 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 a garage, but it looks like an old hangar. Mm-hmm. There where like the wall falls down. Yeah, and like it's like slowly like like going back up and stuff as as we were walking out. So I thought that was really funny that I got to see that. It's always funny when you see little behind the scenes things like that. One thing I remember from the same trip was we did the King Kong ride that's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in the very, very front seat. And King Kong, as you're going by on the trolley, there's a scene where you go right by him and he punches the trolley. But because I was sitting in the very front seat, I saw that King Kong's fist comes maybe three feet from the trolley. And then the trolley shakes like he hit it. And I'm like... Didn't hit us at all. <laughs> like, well, so, yeah. So between that, well, that takes a lot of the fear out of it when you when you see that he didn't hit it. Right. It's just the thrill is gone. How old were you? I can't remember. It was like it was in grade seven or eight or nine. One so of you were just grades. a stupid kid. I was a kid, but it's still. You thought you had it all figured out. I did, but I didn't. I don't know. I don't. Godzilla's hand didn't. You know. I Godzilla. said King Kong. King Kong. Get, I was thinking of the monkey. Get your giant monsters correct, hun. He's not really a monster. He's a monkey. And he's not even a monkey. He's an ape. You're just blowing it all around, hun. Speaking of blowing it, let's talk about things. <laughs> yes, let's talk about let's talk about Twister. Oh, I was so, so happy watching this movie. Okay. I also had wow, a okay. couple glasses of wine. You, oh, are you-, you definitely did have a couple glasses yeah. of wine. You flat out told me what your review of this, what your writing for the movie was during the movie. I think we were like 10 minutes in and I yeah. was like double butter. Yeah, you were like, ah, wine is great. This is a double butter. It <laughs> like- super still holds up. <laughs> like my rating and the movie. Well, we'll Besides see. Besides one part of the movie. We'll see. Which is what- right at the beginning. Okay, I think you're going to talk about what I want to talk about. Yes. Because I wanted to bring this up because there's a flashback and then the movie continues in the modern day. But like, this is 1996. This is the beginning of computer-generated imagery. I thought that was 1993. Okay, this is still in the early stages. (laughs) I'm kidding. This is what I'm saying. So you're getting getting too specific. So this is still, CG is still very much in its infancy. And I would say for this film, which came out in 1996, three years after Jurassic Park, that for the most part, the effects hold up. Like the the computer generated stuff. There's a few like wonky sky scenes and like there's a scene where like a combine falls from the sky. Mm-hmm. And if you look really closely at the combine, you can tell that it's it's like very it's it's a little too sh- shiny kind yeah. of a thing. Maybe it was brand new. Maybe, but it was real shiny. But anyway, the farmer just buffed it. Yeah. But for the most part, the effects are not like you can forgive it. Right. Mm-hmm. Except for the shot of the satellite dish at the beginning of the movie. It is the ugliest, most obvious piece of CG I've seen in, mm-hmm. in a blockbuster film mm-hmm. like ever. Like mm-hmm. I've seen low budget movies that have better effects than the satellite dish yeah, that's how, like, at the beginning bad. of this movie. It was, it was almost like they forgot to put any sort of like texture. On yeah. It. They, they did a rough pass and they're like, oh, we don't got time to fix this. But it was 1996. They're like, you know what? Normal people don't know what a satellite looks like. Good enough. They probably were like, man, that looks great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, it's like, is that what a satellite looks like? Well, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Hey, hey, Bob, you've seen satellites, right? Yeah. Does that look like a satellite? Sure. Yeah. All right. But yeah, when it comes to the effects for this movie, I would say everything else that's not perfect is forgivable, except for the satellite. Yeah. Everything else was terrible. Or great. Fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Satellite was terrible. Satellite was terrible. But oh, so you're right. It starts with a flashback to when the main character. Because I would see they make Bill Paxton out to be the main character. But I feel like Joe was more the main character. Okay. You know what? Like, tied for I kind character. of I kind of want to bring this up, too, because I mean, why oh, not? I got notes on that. Why not I'm bring sure. this up right now is it seems so weird to me that with his weird like. I sense what the weather does. Oh, he full on Kurt Russell was like, it's alive and I can know. Yeah, it was like backdraft all blah, over blah, again. Blah, blah. Where like the wind. Meanwhile, she's like a full on like, I'm a scientist and I get shit done. Also, I take risks and I'm a badass. And she was a great character. Yeah, but it felt more like her backstory should have been his backstory. No, see, I liked it because it almost takes things that you'd expect and like flips them because like you'd feel like in a lot of these movies where, you know, there's the guy girl dynamic and the girl often is like the one who doesn't want to take the risks. And she's like, hold on, man, who's 30 years older than me, you daredevil. Oh, it worked. Your crazy plan to jump over the volcano succeeded. Oh, I love you. No, like, He's the more like reserved. He's like, no, this is a little too crazy. Also, I talk to tornadoes, not really, but I, I can sense what they're doing, which seems much more like what is normally given to the female protagonist in these sorts of movies. Whereas she is more like, I've dedicated my life to science. I know what I'm doing. My goal in life is tornadoes and the science of tornadoes. I have learned everything there is to know that we can learn and I'm going to work my ass off to learn more. Also, I take risks and I kick ass and take names. And like most of these movies, it's exactly flip flop from that. So I really liked that dynamic where intentional or not her being kind of the badass. And, you know, mind you, uh, same writer, Michael Crichton kind of reminded me a bit of Julianne Moore and, uh, Jeff Goldblum in Lost World, where she's like the super scientist who dedicated her life to this stuff. And he's all like, I don't know, this isn't a great idea. And she's like, no, we're going to do it. Damn it. So maybe that's a McCrayton thing. Maybe, maybe like I will. I'll, I'll say this, though, because what happens the, the intro at the beginning of the movie is it's a flashback to Joe and her father dying. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about this whole scene, though? Sure. Okay. So starts out, you see she's got a little Toto dog. Yes. Named Toby, not Toto. Very specific, yes. Legally uh, distinct. Yeah, but it's the same breed. It's Carn Terrier. Mm-hmm. Like this dog is a Toto dog. I mean, if they wanted to be legally distinct, they shouldn't have called their thing Dorothy and put a picture of Julie Garland on it or whatever. Not Julie Judy. Garland. Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Where do you think the phrase best Judy comes from? I continue on with your talk. So anyway. We've got I just said the wrong very answer. stereotypical, like Midwestern Oklahoma looking family, you know, like the in their Oklahoma house. Like this is like, you know, straight up like farm sort of thing. And the twisters come in and like they're getting the kid and like they, they do the smart thing where like as much as like when I was a kid. No, don't leave the dog. But now I'm like, get your kid to safety. That is your number one priority. And they do, which is great. And the dog thankfully comes and is, does what it's told and gets in the shelter and the whole thing and like the dad is trying to hold why i don't have a storm cellar i have a real basement which isn't a thing in a lot of places in the states apparently which is like why don't y'all have basements i can understand places like louisiana where it's like flooding but why don't people in like the midwest not have basements in their house i don't don't know i have no answer for that anyway so the the dad's trying to hold this little tiny latch on this thing that's breaking off for the storm cellar and it sucks him up and out but like the mom is just standing and freaking out and letting her child just stand there and watch it's like hold on to your stupid kid your kid is an idiot it is your job to keep your kid from like getting sucked out too but even then this tornado comes over sucks him out in the door but the mom and the kid who are back three feet are not in any danger whatsoever, nor the little dog. So why didn't they all just stand at the very back and like the, the door flies off and he flies out with it and nothing else from the storm cellar flies out. So he probably would have lived if he had just left the door alone. Probably. So anyway. But just, we, she needed to have tragic backstory. This is true. But the mom just needed to get her crap together. I was like, I know you're freaking out and everything, but like number one priority should be your child. Like, let's be real here. Okay. Well, here, let's, let's do a test. 
We're going to get William and we're going to place him in mortal danger. And then I will die. And then you see how you react. And then we'll report our findings on the podcast. I will mourn your death when my child is safe. Okay. So if if I die right in front of you, Mm -hmm. what if it's graphically? What if I blow up like powderized, (laughs) you know? My first job is to make sure our child is safe. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm not even sorry. No, you're not. I can tell when you're really sorry. And it's not not most of the time. No. No. If you blew up right in front of me right now, I'd honestly be almost impressed for a second. Like, (laughs) how the hell did that happen? Like, just how? Especially if no one else was hurt in the process. If you just poof, I'd be like, what the hell was that? If I burst into a cloud of smoke? Confetti. Oh, (laughs) just confetti. Yes. Poof. (laughs) With like a little squeak noise. If you just just turn into a tornado. (laughs) (laughs) Just fly away. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Joe has her tragic backstory. Yeah. But what I liked, because I was watching the entire movie, and again, I haven't seen the movie in a very long time. I remember that Joe's dad died, and I remembered that they were divorced, but they got back together. Spoiler. We assume everybody's seen this movie already. Yeah. Anyway, so I remember that they got back together. I remember they were divorced. I didn't remember why they like. I'm watching. They don't. They don't. Well, yeah, but I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, why? Why did they even bother getting divorced? And it comes out. And it comes out during the scene where they're yelling at each other and like the... the, I might have been two glasses in. You were two glasses of wine. Why did they get divorced? They got divorced because she's obsessed with getting more warning systems in place because of her father's death. Yeah. She blames herself for his death for some reason. And she blames herself. A lot herself. of kids that irrationally blame themselves for stuff that's happened to their parents, like divorce and death and yeah. stuff. That's that's normal. Yeah. So she blames herself for his, his death. So so she it's her responsibility to make sure that there is an early warning system in place so that other people don't get hurt. And she's obsessed with this. Mm-hmm. And this is why during his like his scene where where they they almost get hurt in a tornado. I think it's when they lose the second Dorothy machine. Mm. He has, he, 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 cause she, yeah, all the parts fall out and she risks her life to go back and get them. And mm-hmm. he's like, it's over. It's done. Why are you doing this? And then she freaks out and he yells at her and he's like, this is why like blah, blah, blah. And, and he's, and she's like, you know, she's like, what do I have to lose? And he's like, well, you lost me. And that's, that's when it's uh, it clicked for me that, Oh, they didn't have a problem with each other. It's just that she's so obsessed with this, like avenging her father's death from tornadoes that it, it affected their relationship in a negative way. And that's why he left. I feel like, but that's, and that's one of the, anyone who is obsessed with their job and this is her job. Like she, like they talk about applying for grants again and like, blah, blah, like they, they are getting paid for this. Like mm-hmm. people are like, there are, but like Carrie Elway's crew which has a Busey in it. Yes. They are funded by a corporation. A corporation. Where, where she- A nameless corporation. Yeah, but she seems to be more funded by like scientific institutions and government stuff. So obviously there's less money there. But her team, I like that the team was, you know, the woman was in charge of the team and everyone on her team respects the shit out of her. She got shit done. She knew yeah, what she was talking like about. Yeah, like everyone on that team was like, yep, Joe's the boss. And I'm like, yes, bitches get shit done i feel like part of that was the reason that her her entire crew is full of insane people and she is the most insane of all of them no i mean okay so we had a really funny right at the beginning of the movie we had to write we were on like 20 minutes yeah because, because we didn't listen so to they, any of the dialogue because we were arguing over something which was so funny because we were technically both right and both wrong yes so at the beginning of where like because bill paxton and the new girlfriend which is who is played by jerry gertz show up because they're trying to get the divorce paper signed so he can then marry Jerry Gertz. Yes. And like he's like a weatherman now and she's a sex therapist, this new girl, the whole thing. And they go and they meet the the crew and so they have the you get to meet all the kooky characters. And can I just say like Philip Seymour Hoffman, I much prefer in these sorts of roles than I did in his more serious roles. He played such a fun, goofy stoner guy. He was also a little weirdly like grabby. Yeah, but he's fun in these sorts of roles. I, I, I had this weird, like, I mean, it, it, was, it was whatever the script called for or whatever. But, like, he was always talking to the the girlfriend, the, the fiance. And he was always very, like, grabbing her by the face and being like, yeah, you and me together in the car. And I was like, that's really weird. Yeah. But I had this it whole, like. the 90s. I had Not this. Good. No. 
But I, I see my memory of the movie was that after Joe and Bill, isn't Bill Paxton's character named Bill as well? Yes. Yeah. Bill Paxton, Bill and Joe get back together. I had this weird thought in my head that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and the fiance were going to get together. I the, I was in the movie when they first started talking to each other and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, that happens. And then that doesn't happen. Oh. And I'm like, why did I remember that? <laughs> like, so, okay, but, but the thing we're talking scene, about, there is a scene at the beginning. So they're doing the introduction of the, the crew and all the crew is doing different things. Like, I don't know what most of these people even do. And there is a scene where two guys appear on screen at the same time. And the thing is, they look a little bit similar. Well, it's not even that. What happened was, is no, you, they show up literally at the same time. They show up exactly at the same time. On the same, but like on the left side of the screen, you see Sean Whalen, who you'd recognize from like, I, I would say visually, especially at this time period, his most recognizable movie is People Under the Stairs. He's also the guy in the Got Milk, the original Got Milk commercial. Is he really? He is. He's the guy who's eating the peanut butter sandwich and he's like the historian at the Alexander Hamilton Museum and the question on the radio is a Alexander Hamilton commercial and he can't answer because his mouth is full of peanut butter. Oh, wow. I can't believe you remember that. But he's on the left side of the screen. Rob Paulson is the radio DJ. He's on the left side of the screen. <laughs> yeah. and I sit on the left side of the couch because I like that corner because I like to snuggle into the corner. Yes. And then on the right side of the screen, set back slightly, is Alan Ruck, yes. who you'd know from Spin City, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the new Exorcist TV show. I love Alan Ruck. Yes. But all I see is this one guy on yeah. the screen, Sean Whalen, who I'm like, I recognize that guy. What's he from? You said, and I, I, this is a quote, hey, it's that guy. Yeah, not shocked. Yeah, you said, hey, it's that guy. And you go, yeah, it's the guy from Ferris Bueller. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, no, about? I said, yeah, it's your buddy. And you're like, what is he from? And I'm like, are you serious? He's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which, which is, is like one of your favorite movies. Easily top three favorite. Like movie I probably watch at least once a year. And we are going to do on this podcast because Double Butter right off the hop. That movie's one of my favorite movies. I can't wait to talk about it with you. That's mm -hmm. fine. But the thing is, the and I when we bought our TV, it was considered quite large. But now it's like 10 years old and it's not that big compared to stuff. But it's a, what is it? A 60. 60. I mean, it's a big TV. And like where I was sitting, I literally, plus I'd had a, like a glass and a half of wine at this point, focused in on this interesting face of Sean Whalen, who I was like, I can't place him. Did not like blinders at all see Alan Rock. And you were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, he's not a Ferris Bueller. We were like bickering for probably 20 minutes of the movie. And I'm like, look, and I'm like, oh, Alan Rock, that was not Alan Rock. And you, you were like, it's Alan Ruck. And, and I, I pulled up the IMDb and I'm like, look, and it's Alan Ruck. And, and Alan Ruck right, is known for, for Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Twister. They're right next to each other. But right below him is Sean Whalen in the credits. And yes. I was like, that's who I was. So we rewound them because we had to anyway. Because we, we missed, missed. Yeah, we missed like 10 minutes of movie. Important exposition. And we both were like, oh. <laughs> so for those interested, Alan Ruck and Alan Sean Whalen. And, and they appear as a team through the whole movie. Yeah, the rest of the movie, <laughs> those two guys are together. They should have set up the, but the, the character's name. Alan Ruck plays Robert Rabbit Nurek. And Sean Whalen plays Alan Saunders. They should have played brothers. Yeah. It would have been a much more interesting dynamic if they were like brothers. I think that would be like really cool if they like the team up was brothers, but they were all just whatever. It was super funny. Also, I will have you know that Bill is just credited as Bill. Yes. Joe is credited as Dr. Joe Harding. The woman has a PhD. Oh. This woman is smart as shit. But is she a medical doctor? Can she really be called doctor? You know what? With all those twists going on, wouldn't shock me if she's delivered a baby or two. So there you go. She's <laughs> there earned you it. Go. She's earned it. Too funny. Yes. So, okay. So getting back to something that you touched on a little earlier, something that I absolutely loved about this movie is that it has a human villain. Yes. And that he is part of the corporate weather team. Like, again, corporate. They don't even have, like, it's not like 
the corporation isn't even named. They just keep referring to it as the corporate team. He has corporate money. He's the corporate weather guy. And they're all very like they're dressed the same. They drive black vehicles and all thing. But you think about things now. Think about how many like weather apps and weather networks and stuff there are now, right? Like if your app, especially in that area, was like the app to know fastest when a tornado was coming, you'd have millions of downloads and you'd have so much ad revenue. Like whoever was sponsoring him was seeing a good like 15, 20 years into the future because they were like, look, at some point, this is going to come in handy for us. So we're going to be the first people to know how tornadoes work and predict them earlier to get all these Midwesterners to download our future app to future device that is not invented yet. They, they were probably looking to develop a tool that they could sell to like TV stations and weather stations that could be That sold. makes more sense. Yeah. He was also credited as a doctor, Dr. Jonas Miller, Carrie Always. I had such a crush on Carrie Always. But from like Robin Hood. Man in tight, tight, tights. Do you know he was on the X-Files for a while? As like a recurring character? Yeah, near the end. I guess we didn't get to that part in the show. Not yet. Not yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't believe you one bit. Yeah. So corporate villains, which I thought was was pretty hilarious that they always seem to have something like this in these movies. There's always somebody. Mm-hmm. Like if, you know, I'm trying to remember of, of some of the other movies, but I there was like... 2012, if I remember, obviously there's the disaster, the impending disaster. But I also seem to remember there's some government guy that's like, oh, we're going to exclude the the, the regular people. So he's yeah. the, the human villain yeah. of, of that weather movie. And I feel like there's like a, a human villain in like Volcano and stuff too. And like where it's like, or even Dante's Peak where it's like the mayor, you know, like mm-hmm. the mayor from Jaws who's like, oh, well, we'll, we'll stop the, but like, you know. But you mentioned like these other disaster movies where, but like. I really miss the smaller scale disaster movies. And there was something else too, superhero movies. Yeah. Where I I remember it was a bit of a discussion when Spider-Man Far From Home came out, where that movie isn't about the world's going to end. It is about one villain in one spot. And like the stakes are bad for Spider-Man, but it's not like the villain is like, and my plan to destroy the world. Right. It's his plan is to make money. To make money. And like he's not out so like the smaller scale, like the world is not in danger from Mysterio at this time. It's just he's crafty. And he kind of wants to get Spider-Man. And, you know, be sort of a superhero, but kind of a trickster and a shyster. But anyway. But like so many of these movies are the stakes just get bigger and bigger. Like and the disaster movies are the same. Like, what's the director's name? It's Gore Verbinski. Right. And his movies are just bigger and bigger apocalypse after apocalypse after apocalypse. And then you got this Greenland movie. And like all these, but like, I miss this movie, Volcano with, with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, like Dante's Peak, like you mentioned. Like these movies where the disaster is bad for the people involved. And that's fine. But it's not like. It's not Geostorm where the tornadoes are going to take over the world. It's literally just tornadoes are bad Tornadoes during tornado season. This is just what life is. And they do create devastation, but like they're not going to end the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I miss smaller scale disaster movies. I don't know. When was the last small scale disaster movie like this? Sharknado? I was going to say, was it a Sharknado movie? Because I feel like it was probably like a Sharknado movie. It might have been. But speaking of that that devastation, that first destruction scene is spectacular. Mm -hmm. It still holds up. It really sets the stakes of what a tornado can do. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, it's like, oh, that was a, that was a baby tornado, which also is, provides setup to what is coming later. Yeah, and I really enjoy, like, even the the scene where like they're running and the the silo, the roof of the silo comes flying down yeah. and bangs down. That's stuff that I still remember from mm-hmm. the trailers, like back in the day. Like that that disaster scene is iconic with this movie. And I, like I said, like it sets the tone for why you should be afraid of tornadoes. Because I, the next tornado is you know, there's there's danger to be had, but yeah. it's not like that tornado, right? Yeah. Like, so I, I thought that that was very, you know, just something to point out that that was a really cool scene and really well done. I also liked also early on. There's a scene where they race off to get to a tornado, and then the, the it cuts to a scene where nothing happened. No, 
And unless you're really paying attention, the only reason you would know that they didn't find a tornado is there's a radio broadcast saying that the tornado didn't happen. Yeah, which happens. Like yeah. you like not every storm turns into a tornado. You can and that's how many times do we predict like a because we live in an area where we get blizzards. How many times is it predicted that, you know, oh it's going to snow and it's like, oh it actually just drizzled? Like you cannot and that's part of the whole plot of the movie is you can't accurately predict the weather. You can make a really good educated guess, but especially now, you can't predict the weather works shit. Yeah. And Joe is out to, and then the stakes raise more because they go visit her aunt mm. who like feeds them and like she's a sweet old Midwestern lady. And then uh, they go, but then it turns out that the tornado that hits because it's when they're at the drive in. It's right? the drive in tornado, yeah. Yeah. And like, funny enough, you know how there was that pit? Yes. In the movie theater, not movie theater, but drive in. It was the garage next to the movie theater. Yeah. So, I spent three summers working at a steel mill when I was in university out on Lake Erie. And there was one occasion I actually went into, they had a very similar pit-like structure because being out on the lake like that, we actually, there was a higher chance of tornadoes. And like you said, not every store, like we, uh, we, so the tornado didn't happen but the warning was high enough that it was like, basically, if you can shut down, you are shut down and you're going in the pit one time out of three summers. Wow. And we got some crazy thunderstorms out there. We got some crazy, crazy storms, but there was only one time that the foreman came over the radio and I was like, everyone inside now. We're in there for maybe half an hour, three in the morning. So funny too. And again, it was a bit of the wine. <laughs> And a bit of rose colored glasses because at that moment, especially because it's late and they're getting coffees and they're like basically on night shift waiting for these tornadoes and everything and like the whole crew. I was like, man, I miss night shift. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Why are you getting nostalgic for night shifts? I know. Night shifts suck. Night shifts sucked when I was 20. I'm 35. I'm almost 36. They'd be way harder now. Mm -hmm. Nothing but respect for people who work, especially swing shifts. Oh, it's garbage. So anyway, again, this is this is the sort of thing like two wine Laura says. I right. miss night shift. Well, you know, I don't know something that, was, that I thought was funny was during this scene after the tornado hits the drive-in, they go to rescue the ant. Yes. And the ant, her house has been severely damaged and it's a race against time to get the ant out of the house. And before, the doggy. Well, yes, the ant and the dog out of the house before they are mortally wounded by the, 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 the house. I, I, I thought it was very funny because it's not... It, I mean, I feel like it's less of an issue these days, but one of the, the scenes of peril is that her CRT television is going to fall on her. And well, it, it reminded like, me of The Ring! Where it's like this enormous television where it's like, that would kill a person, yeah. that television. Now, if a, if a large flat screen hit you, you probably wouldn't, you probably it be feeling it. if the corner it. hit you in the forehead or yeah. something, that'd be bad. Yes, but I mean, like, for the most part, if you're hit with a, a large flat screen, you're going to feel it, but it's probably not going to kill you. Yeah, but like... Naomi Watts gets hit with one of those CTV, CCTVs or whatever. CRTVs. CRTVs in the ring and it doesn't kill. It hurts her real good. Do you remember that? It falls down the well. <sighs> it's been a long time. <gasps> we should watch The Ring. Well, when did that movie come out? I think 2000. Well, whatever. If you oh want to work it in. Throw it on the list because we're getting into it, 2000s. Well, that's the. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. 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 Let's argue the semantics. Did you, notice, of did you notice, though, the aunt had her, was watching a movie on TV. And reading a book at the same time, like a psychopath. <laughs> I did not notice that. If you do that, you are a psychopath. Who I, does that? I I can barely listen to music and read. I used to be a lot better at multitasking. Not so much anymore. I can multitask, no problem. My job is like nonstop Well, what I mean by that is like, I used to be able to watch TV and do something else at the same time. You know, like not read a book necessarily, but like play a video game on, on a handheld or, mm. or, or something like that. Now I, I find it, I, I can only focus on one or the other. And I don't know if that's because of uh, the internet on my phone destroying my lizard brain or what. But yeah, I can't really do that anymore. <laughs> okay. So I think at this point in the movie, yeah. So Jamie Gertz. How, has, how far is the wine in your... Well, okay. So, so here we go. 
So I think this is okay. Said so like Ant is reading and watching a movie. WTF? Melissa, who is, is Jamie Gertz? Yep. Or Jerry Gertz? Oh, now who's getting named wrong? I know it's Jamie Gertz. Anyway, Melissa is petty about the breakup. So I guess they they've broken up at this point, and she's petty about it. Which I mean, fair. He dragged her into some dangerous scenarios, and she was like trying to be supportive and she, he's obviously still in love with his ex who's in love with him and she's like you know what i'm out but i don't really remember because i was a little tipsy <laughs> and then i say oh the aunt's name is meg so my note is i think this says meg's doggo <laughs> and then <laughs> few you <laughs> <laughs> underlined <laughs> <laughs> and then my last known for the whole movie i was enraptured with this movie uh-huh. like i there's no spoiler here this is double butter like so double butter <laughs> but my last note is wow carrie always got fucked <laughs> <laughs> and that's all i wrote i i would he did I, his driver more so Let's so hear, okay you know? I, I did write this down because I wrote, I wrote Jonas's death is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, because his driver is played by, um, 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 what's his name? He's on um, Mad Men for a bit, and he's been in, obviously, other He's stuff. in lots of stuff. Yeah. He, he's uh, a very well-known character actor. He's one of those guys that you're like, it's that guy from that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. He's in lots and lots of stuff, and I wish I could remember his name, because he's a really good actor. I really liked him as like kind of a, oh, it's Patrick Fischler, and he's only credited as The Communicator. But he had a name. There was like Kevin or something. I don't know. I don't know. But he's in bad. lots of stuff. He's but anyway, in lots of stuff. He gets obliterated by like. Okay, so first of all. Okay, sorry. First of all, they they get warned to escape the storm, and Jonas is like, "No, no, no! They're trying to 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 get ahead of us. Don't listen." And and then his buddy, the driver, is like, "I I really feel like they wouldn't try to put us in danger." And and he's like, no, 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 we will still continue. I'm forward, always. forward, forward. And then like Kevin, the driver, poor Kevin gets impaled by debris. Would you even call that impaled? Like because that thing is the size of his chest cavity. It, it's it's an old TV antenna, I think. Like yeah, and and from where it goes through, it easily goes through his head, not his body. So I don't even think that's impaling someone. Decapitated. He's decapitated. Obliterated, by this. I think, is probably the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. He gets wrecked. He gets shit rocked. So Carrie always gets to watch. Jonas gets to watch his buddy get eviscerated I don't know in front of him. Is, oh, I don't know. His peon. His, there you go. His peon, his or subordinate, get obliterated right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And then the car is just drifted into the sky. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, they're, they're, they're done. Yeah. And just is like, weak. Yeah. <laughs> like he gets as you stated fucked <laughs> i underlined fucked oh. yeah so note if i ever try to have two glasses of wine while trying to take notes on one of these movies again stop you stop me because <laughs> like i can't i shouldn't be anyway but i can't oh actually i did write another thing about this scene so after jonas's car blows up it pans his entire staff, because they all stopped. Like yeah. the rest of his staff stopped and Smart. avoided avoided the danger. I feel like he actually was like, "You guys stay here. I'm going to get all the, all the glory." Essentially, hey, I'm sure Gary Busey was like, "Thank crap." Yeah. Wait, which Busey no, is it? not Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Jake the, Busey. Jake Busey. Gary Busey's the 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 head Busey. Yeah. This um, is like a, the the new Busey. Yes. So anyway, the team is also like shocked. As 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 they watch this, and it pans over, and the last guy in the line is like, "Oh, like he has his face, just like, oh, no. you know, like everybody else is all like, oh, like they're they're, they're devastated, yeah." But this last guy is just like, oh, <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. I wrote that down. He's just, I wrote down, guy is like. Oh man, it's <laughs> just he's uh, in shock. He's like, "Who's gonna pay my rent now?" Yeah, well, the corporate corporate will. Yeah, but corporate's gonna pull their funding. Well, maybe, but you feel like they'll they'll at least get like a nice, healthy. Well, maybe depending. It's on the uh, probably an at will state. Evil, it's an evil corporation it's, in a it's, movie. I'm telling you, it's gonna be one of those at will work states or whatever in the states where you're basically screwed and on your own because 
Ugh. Anyway. Anyway. So, and then at the end, Joe and Bill are happy together because she succeeds in getting Dorothy to fly because they sacrificed the truck. Again, the second truck that they've sacrificed. Yeah. But, and it works and they get all the data and somehow that data is going to correlate to earlier warning signs. Yeah. Cause they're, they're, they're able they to. They don't really. They do explain it two glasses of wine, Laura, here. <laughs> they explain it. Philip Seymour Hoffman explains it earlier in the movie to. Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz, because I guess her, I think the entire reason she's in the movie is to have weather shit explained to the audience because she is everywhere. Well, yeah, she's definitely an exposition tool. Yeah. Like she's there because people are like, or she's like, somebody will say something like, whoa, it's a, it's a wizard in cluster. And she's like, well, what's a wizard in cluster? And yeah. then they'll explain it to her. And that happens like four or five times in the movie. So Earlier in the movie, she asks what Dorothy is, and somebody explains it. Basically, their device that Dorothy is, those little spinny things that they shoot up into the sky, they measure the interior stuff of the... Yeah. And using those readings, they'll be able to figure out that, oh, this is this is the way that the weather is going. It's If it's hitting these readings, then they'll be able to But they're getting faster. the readings from an already existing tornado, not in a tornado that is about to exist. Right, so, th- I mean, it's it's a flawed system. I am not a meteorologist, though, so... There's also the one thing that I, I, I took note of, too, which is they solve their problem which is like, hey, because of what we've just done, the early warning system will happen for everyone. But like, did, that hasn't happened in real life, has it? Mm, I feel like they are earlier now. Well, let's take a deep dive. Okay, well, well you're, you're taking a deep dive. I have one note that I wrote that I did want to bring up because it's a silly note and it doesn't really matter. Oh, you have an answer already. Okay. The average warning times have increased substantially from... 10 to 15 minutes in 1974 to about 15 minutes as of 2013. In some cases, the lead time can extend to more than an hour's warning of impending tornadoes. See, in the movie, they said it was only three minutes. So lies were being told for well, the sake of entertainment. Yeah, probably. I mean, I guess it probably... Well, okay, in the United States, the tornado death rate has declined from 1.8 deaths per million per year in 1925 to only 0.11 per million in 2000. Much of this change is credited to improvements in the tornado warning system via various advances in the detection of severe local storms, along with the increase in reports visually confirming severe weather activity via storm spotters, public officials, and citizens. Nothing to do with Dorothy. And the movie Twister. Good job. Dum, 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 dum. Anyway. Okay. So, the point that I wanted to make, and unless you have anything else, we'll... No, we'll I'm, I'm good. Because this is just a weird fact that, that I took note of at one point in the movie, and I was not able to fit it in anywhere else from where we were talking. But I don't know if you noticed, the tornadoes screamed. Yeah. Yeah, the tornadoes screamed. And it wasn't just like a, like a weird noise. It was literally a scream. And I actually looked in the trivia... And the trivia said that the tornado screams were created by taking a camel and slowing it down. Like slowing down the whole camel? Or the, the, camel? The, the sound of the camel <laughs> is smart, Alec. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so those are our thoughts on Twister. But critics in 1996 had their own thoughts on this movie. Laura, why don't you fill us in on some of those thoughts? So the critics and I are not in agreement with uh-huh. this movie. I'm going to tell you that right now. It holds a 59% score on Rotten Tomatoes for critics and a 58% for audiences. And I would say those audience members who don't like this movie are ding-dongs. Because I can understand critically this movie being like, okay, critically this movie is pretty stupid. Mm -hmm. But as an audience member, this movie is a lot of fun. So shut up. No. (laughs) Roger Ebert, I think, sums it up. Pretty well, honestly, in his Mm -hmm. review. You want loud, dumb, skillful, escapist entertainment? Twister works. You want to think? Think twice about seeing it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It's so true. Like, you don't, there's no thinking about this movie. This movie's just fun. Uh It's pretty funny in parts, too. New York Times' Janet Maslin says, Somehow Twister stays as up-tempo and exuberant as a roller coaster ride. Neatly avoiding the idea of real danger. 
And from the LA Times, we get the ringmaster of the circus, the man without whom nothing would be possible, is the director, DeBont, who now must be considered Hollywood's top action specialist. What's he been up to lately? Yeah, see if he was a big action specialist. Well, I mean, it was written by Michael Crichton and his wife, right? Like, so they, I mean, they got a pretty good track record. Mm-hmm. This guy has also done, let's see, we're going to do a director. He did Speed. Oh, well, okay. Twister. Speed 2, Cruise Control. The Haunting. And Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. And those are his five directing credits. Those are his only directing credits? Which he, one is the... Ha- I screw up The Haunting. I think I... The I Haunting is uh, the one that is the, the Haunting of Hill House with Catherine Zeta-Jones, Liam Neeson. Okay, that's the one I'm Owen thinking Wilson, of. Wilson, Lily Taylor. And then... Because it was another haunting movie that came yeah, out at the same uh, time. Yeah, Haunting... Or, wasn't it The Haunting of Hill House? No, The House on Haunted Hill. That's the one. And that's the one with Famke Jensen and Jeffrey Rush. Yes, yes. I've seen both of those movies and I always confuse them. Yes, I agreed. And they came out, I think, the same time. Yeah, it's, it's another deep impact Armageddon yeah. kind of thing. He, yeah, the director's more of a cinematographer and it looks like he does a lot of like... Does he do a lot of weather oh, movies? Oh God, he didn't do... He, he took a long hiatus. Wow. Yeah. Weird. Sometimes some credits on IMDb seem so like, what? Anyway, so on that note, this movie has some awards, a lot of technical awards, but it also won both the Golden Raspberry Mm -hmm. and the now defunct Stinker's Bad Movie Awards for in both of them, one for both worst written film grossing over $100 million. And Worst Supporting Actress, Jamie Gertz. Both won for both awards. Wow. They, they don't have like Jamie Gertz. movies anymore, but Raspberry is still the thing, obviously. And good news, as this keeps happening as we do this podcast, in June 2000, a reboot was announced to be in development from the film's international distributor, Universal Pictures, with Joseph... Sorry, wait, June when? 2020. You said 2000. Whoops. I June was like, 2020. that's a long time to be developing this movie. Nope. June 2020, a reboot was announced. Joseph Kaczynski uh, in early negotiations to serve as director. Frank Marshall and Sarah Scott will serve as producers on the project. Well, there you go. I'd watch that. You know what, though? It's going to probably be some sort of thing where it's like, the Twisters will end the world. And yeah, they're like, going to oh, ruin it for you. Too stakes. Now, one thing I did want to discuss in this movie. Okay. Real quick. There were quite a few scenes. That I kept thinking were from this movie, but were actually from the 1996 made-for-TV movie starring Bruce Campbell, Tornado. I remember Tornado. And I've tried to find it and haven't had good luck. Now I'm thinking of there's another, because Tornado was a, wasn't it a Fox movie? Yeah, and there's another one that's like Night of the Twisters or something like that that also came out the same. Tornadoes were big in 1996. I'm thinking, now I'm thinking of this, there's a Fox movie about killer bees too. That yes, came there out was. at the same time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, no, I remember Tornado with Bruce. I did not know it was Bruce Campbell, but that's funny. Yeah, there's an IMDb page for Twister in development. Doesn't have any other info. Well, there you go. Well, so that's that's the the information and what everybody else, the critics thought of it. Do I even, should I even bother throwing to you? You've well, already said I, like three times. I had to think, no, it's double butter for sure. I had a rip-roaring good time. Highly recommended. Okay, so yeah, I mean- was there any doubt that that was what you were going to say? I mean, you, you basically said as much like three times in, yeah. in the show. So I guess that, that puts it on me. And I, I, I remember when you said Twister, I feel like I felt like there, this was in the movie where it'd be like, I remember it fondly, but I feel like it will not be as fun as I remember. And holy shit, was I wrong? Yay! This is a double butter. Yay! This movie is silly and fun, and it's exactly what what Roger Ebert said: take your brain, throw it out in the. In you the don't garbage. need a brain for this movie. No, for sure. it's it, you definitely do not have to think about it. it. It is silly scenes with fun actors, and then explosions. Yeah, like the, it's it's all it is, and and like you said, it's it's low stakes, so it's not like. You're so scared by what's going on. It's just like, oh, don't get hit by the car flying by. You yeah, know? like as long as you don't live in like Kansas. Yeah, I mean, outside of, uh, you know, poor Jonas's driver, nobody oh, really, know. nobody bad or good or anything like that. You know, no one good 
gets anything bad happening to them. Yeah. Unless you count Joe's dad, but like you don't know Joe's dad. He could have been a drinking guy, you know. He yeah. An alcoholic. You, don't you never know. know. Joe's you don't dad get any been, backstory on Joe's dad. So Joe's dad could have been a shitty dude. Could have been a really bad dad. Yeah. But yeah, if, if Joe it seemed almost, like he actually really cared about he his probably, family. He tried. I mean, he died saving them. Yeah, so. I know. He was probably actually a good dude. Yeah, pro- whatever. He was a drunk. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, double butter, double butter for both of us. I mean, like, was there? There was some doubt, but it, you know, it, Twister pulled through, and it's still a silly good time. So we both recommend that you watch it. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. Next week, we will be taking a look at the hunt for Red October. <gasps> Yeah, I I've been looking at our list and we've done serious, but I none of the serious movies have been a movie that I have picked. Mm. And I've actually kind of been thinking about doing Hunt for Red October for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was actually thinking about doing it before Sean Connery passed. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, now I feel like I hope nobody thinks that I'm only doing it because of this, because this was something that was with we initially came up with the idea for this show. This was a movie I had on my list. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to to get to it. Well, it was one of the things that was really like this is it's an Alec Baldwin movie as well. Yep. And also the cast in this movie, going back to it, you're going to look at it and be like, wow, this is a stacked cast. When I was looking it up to be like, is this the movie I want to watch? There are big actors that I don't remember in this movie at all. So it's it's going to be... I'm not shocked. I'm really excited. Like, it's... I feel like it's going to be a, a fun time. Yeah. I, I just, like... Because I, I was also thinking of doing, like, Harrison Ford, you know, movies, like Clear and Present Danger and oh, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But this is the first movie in that series. It's the oh. first Jack Ryan movie. Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah. he's Jack Ryan. Yeah, Alec Baldwin is Jack Ryan. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm happy that we're, we're hitting Hunt for Red October next week. So that's that's it. So be excited for that one. I'm, I am excited. Yeah. Get your foot-long submarine sandwiches ready. I don't know. I, I got no good segue. Uh, for this episode of Pert Popcorn, I am Mike. I'm Laura. And we hope you'll join us on our next episode. Until then, we'll talk to you guys again uh, soon. Bye.